Listening Dog Media. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Athletic. Hello and a warm welcome to The Offside Rule. I'm Kate Borsay. Hello. And alongside me, Premier League and Sky Sports WSL reporter, Lindsay Hooper. I dare you to say hello in a high voice. Hello. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. And Super Sky Sports news anchor, Hayley McQueen. Howdy, folks. <laughs> That's about the most entertaining set of hellos you'll hear all day. Um, goodness me, busy week, Champions League action uh, again this week. The Women's mm-hmm. FA Cup returned as well. A lot of football for us to digest. How's your week been so far, Linz? Uh Good. I was at Millwall um, last night, so made made a trip there. Uh, made a a geographical error. Oh. Well, it, I, I mean, I thought they were quite harsh towards you. You just... You just forgot the South at the beginning of South I know. East. It's South East London. I got, you know what it was? Sometimes there's a gift and you want to take it. And there was a player on the pitch called Billy Mitchell. And I know there was a Billy Mitchell in EastEnders. And sometimes you just want to crowbar it in, don't yes. you? Yes. It was a great gag, Linz. It was. It feels East to me. Um, yes. It's not, you know, I actually went to the match from West Ham mm. the other night. Oh, so from West and it took, to the And East. it took me... No time at all. So for me, I felt like it was very close. Yes, West Ham are their rivals. East to east, isn't it? And, yeah. and actually, because it's because it's because it's my manner, I can tell you that it's a lot more east than it is south. If you see what I mean. So, but it matters, and they don't like it. And I think, <laughs> I think I just need to avoid any geographical references and oh. just stick to the football because I had some lovely messages about the reports. Yes. <laughs> It's just just the geography side of things. So maybe I should just leave that be. Although, um, you know, topic two, we're doing long distances and I'm going to have to talk about geography again. Oh, well, this is, I mean, mean, you'll be absolutely in your element for that one, Linz. And we know that that famously, do you remember that quiz we did about six months ago? I'm famously terrible at directions. Oh, yours was awful. Yes, you're awful. Hayley's pretty good because you have travelled the length and breadth Mm -hmm. from Scotland 
perhaps not down south from London. Haley's the best. Haley's the best of us three. I am pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Would you have made the same error, Haley, about about Millwall? (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) And of all the clubs, of all the clubs, so professional. Like we are Millwall, we are Millwall. No one likes us. We don't care. You'd have to be singing that as well. No one likes me. No one likes me. Um, Perhaps gosh. that's your attempt at some housery, Lindsay Hooper. Ooh. When you next go to Millwall, that's one of the topics of discussion. I haven't just, I haven't yes. just dropped that in the S bomb in for no reason at gosh. all. Uh, we will be talking about that in the show, uh, mainly inspired. Uh, not particularly by Lindsay at Millwall, but by Emmy Martinez's mind games at Old Trafford at the weekend. The word is intent, Kate. I had no intent. Okay, okay. <laughs> but there's intent in all of our examples coming up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some delicious moments of intent as well. I'm looking forward to that. Um, two big Premier League results from the weekend. We're going to look at them mm. and um, decide what they mean for the future of this season in terms of who we think is going to finish where, whether this is kind of shifting sands or not. We're talking, of course, about the North London derby and Chelsea City. We're also going to speak about long distances as well involved in Mm. the game, inspired, of course, by Lindsay Hooper and her several long distance trips, particularly the six hour (laughs) trip to Manchester recently. Do I have to keep Uh, reliving that? Oh, yes, obviously you do. And also the fact that many of you listeners are probably clocking up more distance than you normally would looking for petrol. Oh. Um, as we record this, mm-hmm. the situation is meant to be easing. Is it in your part of the world, Haley, or are you still no. sans petrol? No. I have got fuel finally, but no word of a lie, had over a quarter of a tank on, on Friday. So over a week ago from recording this podcast, went the whole weekend just merrily going about my business. Thought I'm not going to join the queues. I'm not going to panic by I've got quarter of a tank. By Monday, I had almost gone into the red, but I was I was okay. So drove to Sky thinking from where I live, 26 miles, be fine. I'll, I'll, I'll pass a garage on the way. Services, no fuel. Every garage was, not that they didn't have, they were just closed. They were just barriers. So every time I, I got to Sky, every time I pulled up at one, I had like a little bit of a panic. But I was like, well, I'll get home and I've got one more trip to Sky and back. I'll be fine. This carried on for two days. The point I ended up having to leave my car at Sky the other day and get a taxi home, which was twice as expensive because they've gone through the roof. Mm. The surcharges on Uber, naughty Uber, it was three times. So it would have cost me a hundred quid to get home. Um, my parents are coming down at the weekend. There's plenty of petrol up north. Mum was like, I'll go and fill up some cans and bring it down for you. I then She's made the, the mistake. She doesn't want to be that person. No, I know. Jerry but, cans. Yeah. Yep. It's like, no, mother, no. But she said, we don't have that problem up up here in the northeast. And nobody's even oh, queuing for fuel. Yeah. Is that, oh. is, that, is that because they're closer to the refineries, maybe? I don't, I don't know. know. Closer closer to source, I think it's maybe. because they maybe don't travel as far for work. Possibly, no, I, yeah. It's more disa- local. I'd have to disagree because they, because most, you know, a lot of people Rural. who work up north, gen- you know, well, and also generally travel between mm. cities as well, don't they, to mm. go to work? Yeah. yeah. So, All I know is being someone who's based on the road, I have to fill up my car every two days. Every wow. two days. Oh, gosh. And um, I've come up with my very own life hack. And I, I'm honestly so proud of myself for thinking of this. Um, as you'll know, Haley, for reporters mm-hmm. at Sky, we are entitled if we've got a trip coming up to get a hire car. And this weekend, usually I just drive to Birmingham. It's not that far. But I remembered that the first time I did it, they delivered the car with a full tank. <laughs> 
So oh. I've put my order in. And that means that that's one less journey I've got to worry about. Yeah, Fantastic. Well done. I'm, I'm loving your petrol tails. Um, we don't drive mm-hmm. very much. I don't drive very much. But there's no fuel in our... Our car is currently bereft of fuel, parked up outside the house. I don't even know whether it's going to restart or not. It's, it is... I was already. What we all want to know is, did it get you to the car boot and back? Oh, it did. It did get me to the car boot. Um, And you have to remember that that we also hired a van as well. Oh, yeah. So we hired a van, but then because you can only fit two in the van, uh, myself and my daughter had to drive in the car. Yes, it did get us to the car boot sale. It was very successful. The sun was out all day, ladies. We sold Mm. about 270, 280 (gasps) pounds worth of stuff. Wow. Um, Much more than my mum's 50p. Much more than, well, I I mean, I had a low target to start from, didn't I? (laughs) Um, uh, But as in, as is typical of these kind of occasions, it feels like I've come back with most things. It it feels like I've I've basically come back with about seven bags of bacon. I need to know two things. What was the first thing you sold? Yep. I've got a question too. Gosh, Mm. first thing I sold, first thing I sold. Yeah, what was, what was hot on your stall? Well, I I actually had some old baby clothes still with tags on them, which I could have oh. sold on eBay. Haley, you'll be ashamed oh. of me, but I just couldn't be bothered. And <laughs> um, and quite a few of my kind of bagged and kind of labelled stuff sold first. I think the first thing I sold was a little t shirt, a little bit, a little cute girls t shirt that was, oh. I mean, like seven years old, but still completely new and packaged that oh. I'd found at the back of a drawer. Um, that was a yes, yeah. We sold shoes, we sold clothes, we sold high ticket did, items. Did you did you buy anything though? Did you buy anything off anyone no. oh, else's? I didn't, oh, but uh, my other half, Dan, bought a oh. freaking tent. What? I mean, oh, okay. Honestly, if you knew how little space we have at home at the moment, you'd appreciate that. That this that he basically bought a tent that you can't fold up again. So he what? was sold it with, with the bag and the instruction <laughs> that the person was selling it for two quid because they couldn't fold it up. Oh. So I've, <laughs> I've currently, I mean, thank God he had a van because wow. he needed the van just to bring the tent home. Still still fully open. So it's sitting in the back garden. Wow. Still out. Oh, but Arthur's going to enjoy having rain. that in the garden. Why does that mean it's full of rain? It's, it's just ridiculous. Anyway, listen, we need to move High on. ticket item. I need we to do. know that too. Oh, high ticket item was a um, pair of trainers, pair of unworn trainers for a tenner. Oh, oh okay. Oh, so you sold a lot of yeah. small stuff then to get that. Um, well, we sold like a few electrical items. So I sold like uh, a Manchester City old jumper thing that I had still with a tag on it for a fiver. I sold a nice coat for a tenner. So yeah, yeah, nice, nice, nice kind of nice. branded, you, you know, like, like, like nice, like, like an old reporter's coat that I had that, okay. that was quite a posh one that doesn't fit me anymore. <laughs> you haven't been selling old stash, have you? Has it got the Premier League on it? No, no, no. <laughs> Sky, Sky Sports logo. Nothing, nothing like that. Nothing like that. No, just the, uh, no, it was like a, like a one from Jigsaw, basically. Uh, so yeah, posh one. Anyway, listen, we need to move on. Poor old Flo's going to have to cut into that car boot chat and hurry along. <laughs> but first, let's look at four teams that have caught our eye this weekend. So shifting sands, the North London derby result and Manchester City's win over Chelsea. Well, it felt like a real shift in the narrative Mm. of the season already. It's kind of, well, it's definitely pivoted a bit, hasn't it? Where do those four teams 
go from here? Arsenal, you could say, have now got the building blocks to qualify for Europe again, potentially, or is that too much too soon? Uh, what next for Spurs and Harry Kane? Looks a shadow of himself, doesn't he? Uh, and is it a two-man title race between Chelsea and Manchester City? Let's chat this one out, ladies, if that's OK. Um, should we start with Arsenal, first of all, if we talk about mm. the North London derby? And I guess my first question on this, Lindsay, to you, really... Um, And this is ironic, right, because Arsenal and Spurs are both on the same points, having had the same record for the season, (laughs) but it couldn't be going much differently for the pair. Is it Arsenal that have got dramatically better or are Spurs (laughs) getting worse? Well, right now they're crossing over and they're waving at each other, aren't they? One's on a Mm. downward trajectory and the other one is on an upward trajectory. I did my high voice for you again there, Kate. Um, (laughs) I, I think what's I think what's happening is um, if you dissect the opening three results for Spurs, mm. apart from the City game actually, where I think they managed that game very well, I think there there were underlying problems to those one nil victories, um, but it papered over the cracks somewhat because uh, the, there were attempts and chances created, expected goals that were very very low in the table for a lot of things. So that should have been um, a sign that that all wasn't well and that there could be a blip. I think you add in the Harry Kane factor of of how they started the season, several injuries as well. And I I, I feel for Nuno, I think he's he's taken over the club at a really difficult time. Uh, There is a lot to get right. He likes to work with very small squads as well, usually. Um, Mm. and, And I think that there's perhaps some discontent there because there are also players that maybe were getting more regular time under Jose that aren't now and perhaps asking questions. Uh, It's trying to manage that. Conversely, I think with Arsenal, they had the shock defeat to Brentford and Arteta's gone away and he's really tried to work at, at bringing this team on and getting some some determination, some grit, some fight from them. And this was the first game where when both teams were coming out the tunnel, I think that Arsenal, for the first time in ages, looked hungrier yes. for a yeah. football match. They looked much hungrier. They definitely looked more up for it. And, and actually Arteta's made a good point in that something like between 9 and 11 players were unavailable in those first three losses for Arsenal. Now he's got his squad back. Now he's got a decent selection of players to choose from. Mm. And I think you're right with what you say about energy levels. They looked, I mean, that 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 first half against Spurs, for Spurs to be 3-0 down uh, inside just over 30 minutes was in, was incredible, really, when you look at it. You know, inexcusable from Spurs's point of view, but but I just wonder, Haley, whether they are, whether kind of um, a bit like if you break up with a with a with a boyfriend who's like, I don't know, tall, dark, and handsome. Sometimes the next person you go for is anything but, because you make a point of it not being like the last one. And I wonder whether Nuno or whether Spurs are desperately trying someone who makes not you laugh. Be, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I just wonder whether whether they're trying to be anything, trying hard to not be anything like they were under Mourinho and whether they're trying too much to be too different. Gosh, quite, quite possibly. I just still wonder if the whole Harry Kane situation has just caused such a problem and the fact that maybe they were planning on being without him and now he's still there. You wonder if there is still a little bit of something just, going on um, behind the scenes. I mean, he just looks 
like a shadow, doesn't he? He just yeah, does. They, he looks downbeat. They could rely on him for so much. He was always there. And I'm not saying he's not putting in the hard work. You can tell that he's just frustrated and angry and upset, but it's just not working for him. I know traditionally, and we keep mentioning it, um, he doesn't start the season great. But I mean, come on, we're, we're coming into October now. And I think it's like it's about time we see a little something from him. And if we don't, I really do think they're going to be in, in, in quite a spot of bother. I'm really glad that... Um, things aren't getting to Nuno. He knows, and it must be really hard, like the whole boyfriend-girlfriend thing. It's like having a boy who's, you're in primary school, he's asked out all the other girls and you've said no, and then he finally gets to one that's like, all right, then I'll go out with you. And you kind of know you're not the chosen one. You're not the, you're not the initial love of their life. And you're trying so desperately to prove everyone wrong and that you should have been the first choice, mm. that you are right for this team, that, you know, look at what he's done at Wolves and having to constantly remind everyone what you achieved at your previous club um I do feel really sorry for him I do feel sorry for yeah. him because I think he's just facing a, a real battle and he knows that again he's not that glamorous manager but that didn't work with Josie Mourinho did it, it didn't work with the no, suave handsome special one and they've gone for the for the man that might not be the most attractive but is trying to to play some sort of attractive football and, as you mentioned, trying to stamp his own authority into a side that's just a little bit all over the place. What do you think, Linz? You've obviously got you know, a really good idea of how Nuno works. He'll be aware he wasn't first, second or even third choice, probably. Um, what's your bit of insight on this in terms of how I'm, Nuno might be handling things? I know the sort of player he likes... And I don't know whether he has enough of them got it. in that no. team. Um, he likes players that will run through a brick wall for him. And some of the analysis of the North London derby, and I feel bad just singling out this player because I know he's very capable, but for instance, Ndombele and the way that he didn't track and he he didn't go with his runners, he left space. Um, he, he was a beat behind on a lot of things. You know, a move would happen and then he would react and he was actually needing to be more thinking what the opposition were going to do first and, and getting in mm. position. Those sorts of things will drive Nuno mad because it's just a minimum requirement. That is the entry level. <laughs> uh, yet he he's having to turn to some of these players that maybe I think he wouldn't. Um, I don't think the midfield... If you think of the midfield that he had at Wolves and he had uh, Matinho and Neves, I don't think Oliver Skip, and no offence, but I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a great potential. But, you know, Oliver Skip alongside, I mean, maybe Harry Winks at some point isn't, isn't the same, is it? So I, I think he's probably a little underwhelmed yeah. with his midfield. I think that's why... Harry Kane keeps dropping so deep. Yeah, and 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 of course because he because it all took so long over the summer, he didn't he hasn't had much of a chance to kind of stamp any of his preferred playing personnel on the club either, has he? So mm. he's so he's working with with what he's got, and and he inherited a team who mm. um, behind the scenes would have been looking at all the different people. I mean, Conte was meant to go there, wasn't he? All the different managers who were meant to be linked and going to Spurs, he would have inherited a team who were told this, thought this, promised this, maybe. Do we and think, yeah, do we think then that maybe he's lacking the respect of the Tottenham dressing room? And, and you look at, I mean, Nuno himself coming out after the North London derby saying some of the players didn't do as they were asked. 
yeah. you think, wow, okay. Yeah. I mean, he's he's vocalizing that, but you can tell he's very frustrated. He's obviously trying to assert his style or trying to, you know, um, discuss tactically how he wants them to to work and it's and it's you know he's been criticized for having a team that seemed to want to just play for themselves and are not playing as a unit for their manager well in stark contrast if you come back to arsenal one of the things that's certainly caught my attention is this front mm. three dynamic between Aubameyang Saka Emil Smith-Rowe. Now, as long as they stay fit, I think you've got an established front three there that yeah. are going to really frighten yeah. defences. And at the and back as well, Linz, you've yeah, got Aaron Gabriel's Ramsdale. Yeah, Gabriel's as well. Yeah, Gabriel and Ben White have formed that, formed that good partnership. And Aaron Ramsdale's been a revelation, hasn't he, really? Mm. Yeah, so when you see that these things are starting to define themselves in the Arsenal team and you can't see I mean you just I think with Spurs what you have is your go-tos and what's always been and it's you know Son's a great player Kane's a great player um Hoybier does what he does um maybe quite not as dynamic as some other midfields um certainly towards the top of the table but you know he does what he does uh Larice's captain has been there for some time it but it isn't a new dynamic there no. isn't there isn't anything emerging out it of it feels this. very very inherited doesn't it yes and, it does we keep we keep coming back to that challenges within the within trying to escape from the Mourinho model challenges with a new manager having inherited a team that 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 hasn't really changed or moved on from that or could well still be bruised from that experience before we leave the fallout from the North London derby um I'm sure Arsenal fans will revel in this one um it was a post on the Spurs web um, sort of taking the mickey out themselves, really. Um, when you think about Arsenal and how much fans suffered when Spurs were top of the table, they were bottom. It was pointed out by by all quarters. And then this, Tottenham Hotspur have become the first team in world football to be top of the league and then overtaken by the team, the bottom of the league within three games. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, speaking of records, unfortunately... Um, a little bit of history and stats would suggest that neither Arsenal or Tottenham have got Bob Hope of winning the title. And I think Tottenham not even finishing in the top four. When you look at where they are in the league right now, no side has won the title after having just nine points after their opening. Is it six games that we've played so far? So 10th and 11th they are in the table. Not much separates them. And when you look at the stats... I'm not going to go into it. There's a great article I found online. I'll maybe pop it on my Twitter and, and put at Offside Rule there as well. We'll show you that I don't think Tottenham are even going to finish in the top four. So there you go. Have any of you seen the film King Ralph? Mm, I don't think no. I have. King Ralph. It would have to be the King Ralph effect for Arsenal or Spurs to be top of the league. And that's when they have the royal photo and he becomes king because the photographer wipes out the whole of the royal family. <laughs> and I think that would have to happen. I think I know what you're it? talking okay. about. Okay. okay, let's move on to City Chelsea. Mm. Um, just, just a few minutes on this one, ladies. I mean, yeah. City, it, you know, again, two teams with different things going on and and I should say since the weekend this week Chelsea um have lost to Juventus in the Champions League and even Thomas Tuchel saying afterwards that he was puzzled by the strange display uh so that loss in the Champions League coming after this mm. loss to City at the weekend and I think I think it's almost like it feels City 
are in cruise control. They're so strong. Mm. And the way that they performed in that game at the weekend just just makes it really hard for me to see anyone getting close to them at the moment. I don't know whether that's fair, Hayley. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think they have been incredible. And one quite interesting stat before City's game against Chelsea, it was the first time in nearly five years that Guardiola's side had gone into a match as underdogs, okay? They went into it underdogs, but came out of it absolutely battling and and, and fighting. You've got to remember as well, the first few months of a season can be a bit deceptive. You look at this time last year, Manchester City, they seemed absolutely gone, didn't they? They seemed spent. And look how they turned that around and look how how much stronger they've started this season. I think they're only going to get better and better. And I think that one game is going to define the rest of their season. I genuinely think that. We'd all been talking up Thomas Tuchel and how he'd masterminded three wins out of three against City and how he started the season. But he changed his system, didn't he? He included three midfielders. It was all Defensive just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, it was far too cautious. I definitely think it affected his team's approach and he came undone to Pep Guardiola. I, I think Manchester City, yeah, it's still very early days, but from everything that I've seen of City and of Pep and how they've started the season compared to last, I just can't see where it's going to go wrong for them. And you just look mm. at the squad. When you look at the bench, you just think, my yeah. goodness, I'd, I'd love a starting 11 made up of, 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 of their bench. Then they would be up there in the top four. And they're still playing without a recognised striker as Quite. well, aren't they? Yep. And when you look at that line, as you say, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Kevin De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, I mean, there's just there's just some great players there. We should say, as we record this, Liverpool are at the top of the table and City meet Liverpool this weekend. So that will be a really, really interesting game to have a look at. Um, after the win against Chelsea, Lindsay, Pep Guardiola spoke about how he felt like the, the side were really playing as a team. He referenced the Ryder Cup and he said that he'd seen lots of individuals there perform, but also perform for the team. Um, and if we're talking about, you know, City finding a gear at the moment, um, I just wonder whether psychologically this is a really important pivot point for Pep Guardiola and his side. Yeah, it's scary to think that when City do click, they usually then go on these un- unbeaten runs for I don't know how long in a season. And if this has started one off, then yes, the rest of the league should be worried. Your likes of Chelsea and Liverpool especially. But I'm going to stick with the fact that Tuchel got this one wrong. Um, He's tactically very, very good, but he went in too defensive on this one. Having the three defensive midfielders meant that there was a real chasm between midfield and attack and he was failing to get that link up. I think Mason Mount being absent really highlighted that because he's a player that often does link the midfield to attack very well. Um, but I don't think he would be caught by uh, caught out with that again. I know that against Juve as well midweek, um, it wasn't great either, and he, he changed changed things once more. I do think he is the sort of manager that will hit on the right note. And Chelsea threaten, I think, having Lukaku and having um, other attacking outlets, and I, th- I think sometimes more so than than City, that they could also get a run together, as could Liverpool. You know, who, who's writing them off? They are top of the league at the moment. Um, Mo Salah 
in, in brilliant form again. Mane, Jota, I think Firmino maybe's dropped off a little bit. Um, but but you've got some some absolute world-class talents within these three teams alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's discounting Manchester United. And, and I think probably a lot of people have done that because of of Oli being in charge um, and thinking that sometimes he, he's naive in, in his changes and his setup. But... But ultimately, you've got, when you look at the personnel of all four of those teams, you've got a title race on your hands. All right, Lindsay Hooper, laying the marker there for the season. Of course, we'd all prefer it, wouldn't we, if it went right down to the wire. Next up, we're going to be speaking long distance. Okay, so let's talk about clocking up the miles or the metres, whatever it is that needs to involve distance. Remember the days when you had a full tank of fuel. Uh, Well, the queen of the car, Lindsay Hooper, has been clocking up some mileage already this season. Do we know how much you've done so far this season, Lindsay? Do you ever keep a counter? Because of purposes of lease car um, people may be listening in, I I might refrain from revealing that at the moment. I'm hoping I can (laughs) even it out over the course of my deal. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you've got more than 10,000 miles in your lease. Oh, no, I I think I needed more than what I put down anyway. Oh, uh, well, that six hour trip to Manchester must have been an all time record for you was it have you ever had a journey worse than that yeah yeah I have (laughs) Um, I think I've had seven and a half eight hours to get Mm. um to the northwest before and that was that was a big accident and motorways closed all the rest of it well all of your miles got producer flow thinking about long distance football famous long away trips for fans or just a long time that a player has waited to score their first goal um let's go quick on this one pick a couple each what have you got for me Hayley okay I have got a manager who I think might have the longest commute for his day job um, Jack Ross. Now he manages Hibs. Hibs are in Scotland and he actually commutes from England to Scotland mm. four days a week and every match day. That's right. He drives to Edinburgh from Northumberland. Uh, he was at Sunderland. The lives of footballers mean you see they move and travel around a lot. He'd finally got his kids settled in school. They'd made new friends all over again. His wife was happy. He was like, I can't then suddenly uproot my whole family and move up to Scotland after having spent such a short time in Sunderland getting settled. So yeah, he he has a very long commute um, all the way up to Edinburgh and back. Blimey. Okay, Lindsay. I'll go with the obvious one, which is the longest journey that a fan has to do in English football. And if you look at the the top four divisions, if ever Plymouth Argyle meet Carlisle, that is the longest one. It's just short of 10,000 miles. So whether you're doing it from Carlisle or to Argyle or Argyle to Carlisle, they rhyme. Um, it, you, <laughs> you must have to take a huge deep breath before getting in the car. And that trip is just short of 400 miles. Uh, you're talking about 800 miles there and back. Um, and that's furthest that any of the fans in the English league will have to travel. But of course, we're quite a small island. And so mm. if you take this further away, and, and I won't go to the, the worst one. I know that the worst one is in Russia, but I don't really watch Russian football. I'll be honest, no, I've got not no. really that much interest in the teams that play from one side, half of the planet to the other. I've got no idea. I know it's like St. Petersburg to the other side. But what I do uh, like to watch is MLS. 
And mm. you think about that league and how much expanse it covers. I think it's probably uh, sort of second or third in terms of longest distance covered. When you think of Orlando City and Vancouver Whitecaps, and we're thinking of over 6,480 miles to get to each one. Um, it's the southeast corner of Florida going up beyond the Canadian border. I don't know why I'm doing geography again. <laughs> into the northwest but anyway uh, it is a huge huge journey for fans to do we're asking people to jump on airplanes yes. to be able to go it takes a lot of dedication doesn't it yeah in fact if you take the mls actually some of the teams would have a lot shorter journeys if they played in the mexican league instead such are the distances for them to travel across mainland america and that's my theme really uh, i am going to pick up on russia as well as a piece i read um last week talking about um about whether teams playing in certain countries should play in the neighboring country because it would cut their petrol and their carbon footprint oh. so zenit st petersburg you've uh, rightly referenced them already lins um if they played in the estonian top flight rather than in russia's top flight their new furthest competitor would be 84 miles closer than their current closest competitor Wow. Imagine mm. that. Um, and let's bring a bit of uh, bit of home interest to this. Green Flag did some research for Newcastle fans and they worked out, actually, that if Newcastle was to join the Scottish Premiership instead, uh, fans would have a lot less miles and money to waste oh. on away trips. Uh, they'd also, of course save some save some carbon footprint too. So there you go, Newcastle fans. If you ever get sick of travelling, think about trying to I don't know, lobby for the club to join the Scottish Premiership instead. Yeah, I'm going to go back to Plymouth Argyle as well. I did genuinely think it was going to be Newcastle United, but my goodness, there's actually quite a difference in terms of how far the fans have to travel. And goodness me, you mentioned that 800 mile round trip, Lindsay, for Plymouth if they go up to Carlisle. Um, if you travelled to every single away league game and back again in a car, it would be 10 thousand miles that's as the crow flies so how much petrol would that cost well about 1300 pounds in fuel each year so wow. dedicated and that's and costly that's true. That is true. Uh, I think something to mention here as well is time added on. I think if you're doing a huge mm. journey, the last thing you want is lots of stoppage time. Do you know what the mm. most stoppage time ever added has been? It was in a Carabao Cup game between Burton Albion and Bournemouth in 2019. And it's a record. How many minutes do you think were added on? Oh, um, I'm going to go 12 no, probably more than that, right? Uh, 17. Any advance on 17, Hayley? Thir I, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> it's know. It's been a long time to I think about know. that, Hayley. Maybe like added on 20 minutes. So the board goes up and a two does come up, Hayley, followed by an eight. 28, 28 minutes wow. was added wow. on in this game. And it was at the Pirelli and it was due to power outages in the area. The floodlights kept going off throughout the match and in the end yeah 28 minutes was added on so uh, that, that's a long long wait let's wrap that up there then ladies this is the offside rule with Kate Borsay Lindsay Hooper and Hayley McQueen next up a bit of housery producer Flo is going to be getting the old bleep machine out for this one ladies but 
there is a good cause behind it. Last week, Villa goalkeeper Emmy Martinez mm. pulled out some legendary mind games, didn't he, to put off Manchester United midfielder Bruno Fernandes. Meant that we got a very long, very remorseful Twitter post off Fernandez after that. But anyway, it got us thinking about other classic mm. house moments in football. So this could be ridiculous time wasting, diving, or just generally being a nuisance. I'd like some of your favourite ones, please. Hayley. What about in a game which displayed this very recently? Oh, Brighton against Crystal Palace and mm. with Wilfred Zaha scoring and then he cupped his ears in front of the Brighton supporters, didn't he? But and with the, the dramatics, yes, and that, <laughs> and the dramatics, the last second equaliser, you had Mope who did exactly the same right in front of the Palace supporters. Yes. So for me, that was some elite housery. I was at that match mm. and it was so, so strange because the, the Crystal Palace ultras in mm. the Homesdale end all match had been in full voice, banging the drum, and you could just hear them trying to get to that full-time whistle, you know, we are going to win this. And then Mope scores, it just goes deathly silent. As I was walking to the interview position, actually, um, so it caught my attention. I was like, what's going on? Oh, Um, yeah, it it was such a good atmosphere. Probably the the best atmosphere since we've had fans back in Stadia that I've been in. So I would would give credit to uh, the Selhurst Park faithful for being able to create such a cauldron of noise. Mm. So hard deciding to capitalise on that. Here's another really recent example. Sheriff Tiraspol, well, they've... Well, they've had a pretty legendary uh, win against Real Madrid in the Champions League, haven't they? Do you remember they are the team um, who sit somewhere in between, is it Ukraine and Russia? It's the team I spoke about a couple of weeks ago on the show where they are effectively a lawless state. They are a Mm -hmm. self-declared state of transistra or something along those lines. Um, And uh, there's no, not many rules or regulations there in particular, but fair play to them. The football's won out, defeated Real Madrid and a bit of shithousery from them. They posted a picture of the club's crest. So Tiraspol's crest is a star and they nicked the crown from Real Madrid's crest and popped it on top of their star and posted that on Instagram. And I thought that that was brilliant. Mm. Very clever. Mm. So I decided I would not remind myself of anything for this topic because I thought, you know what, I've been doing football and covering it long enough. I should be Mm. able to remember some good ones. So in bed last night, when I got back from Millwall, I thought I'll write down three bullet points of things that spring to mind straight away. I'm not going to go on my phone, go on the internet. Let's just think, what can I remember? One of the first ones that I wrote down, (laughs) because this always amused me at the time, was, do you remember when Robert Hooth, when he was at Stoke, pulled Marouane Fellaini's hair? (laughs) And it it caused (laughs) a spark afterwards. Yeah, because there was a whole press conference dedicated to some questions around it. And um, I I mean, my memory is fading now, but I always remember that. And I I remember finding it quite funny. Uh, So that was one of them. And another one, and I thought, this isn't any coincidence. It involves Stoke City again. Uh, mm-hmm. Tony Pulis, do you remember the days of Rory Delap with his long throw? Yes. And um, Stoke went on this really good run, you may recall, in the Premier League. Um, and it was a tough place to go. The reason why it was a tough place to go, and I think this incorporates Housery at, at its highest level, is they wanted to make the playing surface as difficult as possible. So he used to issue instructions to cut the grass 
the bare minimum to oh, try and keep yeah. it as long as possible. And it would help with the long throws from Rory mm. Delap. And there were quite a few goals scored off the back of them. Um, but yeah, if you had a had a Premier League book with the dimensions, it was the absolute minimum. And they did that on purpose. And I thought that was a, another great example. Um <laughs> We'll come back. I'm sure someone might mention my third one, but we'll come back in case you don't. Okay. Well, I've got one. I'm I'm totally fascinated by the hazard that goes on between players and what they do to try and disarm each other or distract each other. Because as a viewer, whether you're in the stands or watching on TV, you don't you don't really get to be a part of that unless it's a very kind of obvious physical uh, disarmament. Uh, you never quite know what happens. Uh, when players chat between themselves. And there was there was a lovely bit of insight um, from Scotland's Stephen O'Donnell. This is during the Euros um, this year, called Scotland Playing England, and what he told Jack Grealish so that Grealish wouldn't have uh, so much of a good game. Um, and uh, he basically uh, apparently prevented Jack Grealish from having any kind of impact by complimenting his calves. So by flattering Jack Grealish, Stephen O'Donnell reckons that he was advised um, by teammate, um, by by Grealish's Aston Villa teammate, John McGinn, that the way to try and um, dull the, the threat of Grealish was just to load the compliments on him. So there you go. Uh, apparently, there was it was well documented at the time. Uh, Stephen O'Donnell said to Jack Grealish, I love your calves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, that, and that apparently threw Jack, Jack Greenish off a bit. Don't know whether Gosh. how much how much we uh, we read into that, uh, but there you go. Um, there's there's loads of famous instances of this one. Chelsea keeper Eduardo Mendy uh, kept a clean sheet against Fulham earlier this year, mm-hmm. um, despite Bobby Reed apparently trying to undo his gloves at a corner. <laughs> I was reading about this. I was that, like, how, that's how, ridiculous. How, how on earth? How on earth do you even try and do that? Um, I've got another one, but uh, let's go to you, Haley. Oh, mine is just the brilliance of the tit for tat in this between Alfredo Morelos and Scott Brown. So Scott Brown is the absolute king of housery. We can't have this topic without mentioning him. He's the ultimate. He puts the bait out and the opposition always take it. Now, Scott Brown is... He's a big kid off the pitch, but on it, he is hard as nails. You don't mess with him. And he is absolutely brilliant at messing with everyone, messing at heads. He's even got Steven Gerrard riled up in post-match interviews. He's managed to get Alfredo Morelos sent off just simply by winding him up. And there was a case as well where it was in an old firm derby. A lot of them happen in the old firm games, which kind of makes it even more exciting. Um, But yeah, Morelos, not happy with how Scott Brown was. And he obviously wasn't clever enough to just say anything or or gesticulate anything back. And he got so frustrated, he just slaps him on the back of his head. And Scott Brown just turns around. And instead of reacting back, which Scott Brown never does, he just looks at him and smiles and laughs because he knows at some point Morellis is going to be sent off. And when he does, he just smiles and gently claps as he has to walk off the pitch, having been shown yet another <laughs> red card. I think most of the red cards in all firm games and most of the red cards where opposition have been sent off against Celtic have been down to ultimate Scott Brown <laughs> housery. So are we saying Scott Brown is more so and the ultimate over mm-hmm. who I think is the king of it, 
which mm-hmm. is Sergio Ramos. You know, the oh, tactical well. yellow mm-hmm. cards, the tactical red cards. But perhaps my favourite moment is him pulling down some opponent's pants when they weren't looking. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> so are we saying, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know between the two of them. I don't think we can call it, can we? Maybe we should have kind of a domestic, you know, Home Nations Award and an award for Across the Pond. Don't know. Uh, we could always do that, couldn't we? Um, I've got a quick one to add in here. Mm-hmm. This is, I think Micah Richards um, revealed this one actually, but Matteo Darmian fooled Richards twice at separate corners during a game between Villa and United. So how did he do this? Well, Darmian basically um, convinced Micah Richards that he had something on his face <laughs> and said to him, It's like doing that, like, is it a look over there for a second? Is, yeah, this is happening. so basic. This is so basic. So there you go, taking a corner. It's like, mate, you got you got something on your face. What? Oh, crap. Uh, and then um, apparently later offered a handshake. So <laughs> tried to, sh- I mean, it's kind of human reaction, isn't it? If someone goes to shake your hand, you just do it kind of automatically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. apparently, um, apparently, uh, Apparently, Damien offered to shake Micah Richards' hand, and that's that that kind of threw him basically. Uh, yeah, just 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 so basic, but but so good. Well, it's been brilliant, ladies, but we've rattled on for too long, so I am going to make the call, and I'm going to get rid of any other business this week. If you've got anything great, save it for next week. Um, your small stories that go under the radar will be under the radar for another week um great chat today thank you so much for joining us um don't forget by the way if you'd like to follow us on social media it's at offside rule pod on twitter and insta do check out our website as well offside rule podcast.com there's a weekly piece from the brilliant laura lawrence um this week she talks about whether it's a good idea for fans to drink alcohol in stands and there's an amazing quote in it uh she says what we have to think is wwm wf uhrd what would man with flare up his rectum do uh, and there's a great piece for Laura out there as well as loads of great men's and women's content during the week um, what are you up to Lindsay um, you have a hire car hopefully full of petrol where is that taking you well first of all I'm only going to King's Meadow because I'm, I'm covering <laughs> Chelsea for the WSL but the, the hire car is for the trip to Birmingham so um, Birmingham women are playing all of their matches at St Andrews this season mm, that will be a first for me cool. to go there and see the mm. women there So that's the Sunday evening match, 6.45pm kickoff. But if you join us from 6.30, you might catch some of our our lovely build-up as well. Oh, and Hayley, what are you up to? Well, I'll be in Sky Sports News for the next couple of days. But if you're listening to this over the weekend, I'll be at home drinking Prosecco the whole time. I've got the whole (laughs) weekend off because I'm celebrating the big two. My daughter oh, that's right. was Ada's born birthday. two years ago. I can't believe how the time has flown. It's absolute madness. I know it's a bit of a cliche. Oh, the time really flies like it really has. Mm. I still feel like I'm just about getting to grips with the fact that I am a mother um, and muddling on through every day as best I can, not knowing what the heck I'm doing. But I've got a cake. I've got Prosecco. Unfortunately, she's not having a party. I've got the parents down and we're having a low-key one where I don't have to leave the house. Well, happy second birthday, Ayla, from all of us at The Offside Rule and all you listeners as well. Don't forget, you can leave us a review. We've had some lovely comments on social media. Keep them up. Let us know how you're finding us and uh, whether you're enjoying the show or not. Um, Ladies, same time next week. You've been listening to The Offside Rule, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside at offsiderulepodcast.com and by following at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. 
Check out all of The Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on The Athletic app. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. The Athletic. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.